0: Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it.
1: Morning everyone. I'm sure we've all heard the sad news that Ben Arnold died last night, um, just before 10 o'clock. He had uh, really had a very encouraging day. He'd had his family uh, with him throughout the day, his parents, and various other people had come to see him. Um, James and Hannah had been there all day uh, with their dad and were uh, really (coughs) very aware and accepting of the situation that he was in. And what that meant was that they found every moment to be a precious one with him yesterday. And though right now for them that will be difficult, those moments will in the future be precious, precious ones for them. Um, We, Pauline and I, we left Ben about 6.30 yesterday evening and he um, the last thing I heard him do was to pray. And he just spontaneously just cried out to God... And just thanked him for the day and for just for being with him. And as I said to those of us who were here on Thursday night when we gathered, one of Ben's prayers from the very beginning, one of the things he asked us to pray for him, was that his faith would not fail. And it never did. It never did. Uh, the family are so grateful for the church for for all your support and prayers and um, they wanted me to say they wanted me to thank you on their behalf just for the support of the church Um, emma's comment was we have gelled together as a family through this Uh, what i'd like us to do just for a moment together corporately is really to cry out to god for emma hannah and james just to pray that God will be, um, protect them because people need protection at moments like this, particularly around their thoughts and stuff. They need, they need God to protect them, uh, that God would provide for them everything that they need uh, and that God would be present with them. So can we just call out to God for a moment for the family, for uh, Emma and Hannah and James? Let's just call out to God for a moment. Uh, the Bible says that unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but when it dies, it bears much fruit, and uh, Ben's life was very fruitful, and my sense is that Ben's death will bear fruit as well, <coughs> so, and we all, many of us know him, if you if you may not know Ben, but most of us here know him. We're not a big church, and he's been around a big part of our church for a long time. He was one of the elders here, looked after all the money, chair of finances and everything. I want us for a moment just, just to pray prayers of thanksgiving for Ben. Just, just think about Ben, think about things about him that were so encouraging. Uh, and he was, he was an encourager to the end. And he was faithful to the end. So I just want us to uh, just pray out prayers of thanksgiving for Ben. Let's all do it together. Then maybe one or two of us want to just pray out prayers of thanksgiving for Ben's life. Let's lift our voices.
2: mind is whatever we have.
0: Thank you.
1: We're going to worship. It can be hard to worship at times like this, lots of thoughts going through our heads. But as we lift our eyes on God, He puts things in order. So let's worship, and He will give us that good perspective.
2: Emma's word just uh, now about that grit in the shell, uh, producing a pearl, is just so incredibly relevant when I think about Ben, and I'm going to just take a few moments to talk to you about that, and uh, you know that I probably won't get through it, but you're going to bear with me, and uh, it was just... A real privilege, actually, to sit next to his bedside day after day over the last nine months, many, many times, and him say to me, what do you think God's teaching me through this then, Phil? Through every aspect of what he was going through. And he would get out his phone while we were talking, and he would make notes of what God was doing in him and what God was stripping away in him. And uh, I don't know whether I'll ever get to see those notes. Do you know, I think I might ask Emma at some stage if I can. Um, But the Bible talks about this life once we belong to, to Jesus as being a journey where the Father conforms us to the likeness of his Son. And for some of us, that will be over a lifespan of 80 years. And for Ben, it was over a lifespan of 47 And the last few months were a very intense part of that process. But I can tell you that he was more conformed to the likeness of Jesus when he died than he had been nine months before. And he would be so thrilled at that. We often talked about how different a man he felt he would be if he got better How different our husband. And we used to think he was pretty good before, didn't we? (laughs) But um, God was working powerfully in him. And it was uh, just such a privilege to walk that journey with him and be part of it. And the last 24 hours, as I said, have been deeply precious for us. And they were for Ben as well. And I remember also when things began to look like they were not going to get better uh, about ten days ago, we had the conversation and we talked about the story of, Nebu- of, of um, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And you remember that they're the ones who were thrown into the fiery furnace. And they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, before they were thrown in, King Nebuchadnezzar, we believe our God is going to deliver us from this. But even if he does not, know that we will not bow down to you. Because we bow down to another. And that was the place that Ben had reached to. We still prayed that he would be healed right up until yesterday, actually, really, when it was clear that he was going to go home. And, But we also... Came to a settled position with him where he knew that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he at one point said to me, Phil, how do I get to that point? And so we read some of the scriptures. We read the part where Jesus says, Behold, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And in my father's house, there are many rooms. You know, the King James Version, I think, is better on that. It says, in my father's house are many mansions. And he said to me, oh, do you know, I'm beginning to think I'd prefer to be there. And he reached uh, that point. And uh, uh, within the hour before he died, I had the privilege of praying with him, praying for him, reading a number of scriptures with him. And this is the scripture that I read to him within the hour before he died. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now... There is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. (laughs) The time for Ben's departure has come. And he did fight the good fight. And he did finish the race. And he did keep the faith. And that was the one thing that he asked us to pray for from the very first day of his diagnosis, right up until he went into intensive care six days ago. Pray that I won't lose my faith. And he didn't. And typical Ben, the night before last, when he was really so ill, and I prayed for him before I left the hospital, And after I'd prayed, through his struggle to breathe, he prayed for me. Isn't that just Ben all over? We have lost a mighty one, a mighty one has fallen. But heaven's gain today is our loss. And God will continue to be with us, just as He is with Ben. He has kept the faith. And now there is in store for him the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, is awarding to him, but not only to him, but to all of us who long for the appearance of the Lord Jesus. And church, we need to continue to support that family. The Bible is very clear to us on our responsibility as a church to widows and orphans, And now we have those in our midst. And so we're going to ask you to continue to support in every possible way that you can. And we will help you in giving directions on what's most helpful. Certainly we want the food rotor to continue. And Emma would find that helpful. There will be other myriads of things. Uh, We don't, of course, yet know funeral arrangements. But we will uh, let you know that during the week. We're likely to set a date this week for that. And we will let you know when that will be. Uh, So church, Ben commissioned us to look after them. It was one of the things he commissioned Owen and I to do. We can't do it on our own, but we know you're going to do it with us. Okay, so we do have, and Ben would say, Phil, get on with it. We do have a few just notices, other notices to give. And uh, so, Jen, you're going to jump up if I forget any of these, okay?
0: So. Obviously, is isn't what we, what we expected, but God knows. God knows about our life. God knows about our times. God knows about every detail. And last night, God said to me, your notes and your preach... By going in the bin, and tomorrow you will do something different. So we're going to do something different this morning. And we're going to let we're going to let God minister to us. Um, we're going to let God, because God knows how we how you, we feel. He knows how you feel. I mean, we only know Ben and Emma a little bit. Um, Talked to Ben over a number of Christmases, particularly about being an elder and chair of trust, which we had in common. Um, just to get to to know them a bit, but it's not the same as it is for you guys. They're part of your community. Um, But God understands how we feel. We're not condemned for being sad or for asking questions. God understands us. And so we're going to let God speak to us from his word. But before we do that, we're just going to pray. Father, we we declare that we trust in you. We declare that we trust in your sovereignty. We do not understand, but you do understand. We we have our own ideas and our own plans and our own small-minded view of the world. Lord, and you have your view. God's view. Lord, and we can just stand in awe of you and your love to us, your love to Ben and Emma and the family. Lord, we will never be able to love them the way you love them. That's right, Lord, and so we understand that you love them with a passion that is much greater than ours. And understanding of what is the right thing at the right time much greater than ours. And so Lord, we we say, Lord, as we are sad, Lord, will you come and minister to us? Lord, will you let your word speak to us this morning? In Jesus' name. Yes. So we're going to look at Psalm 23, which obviously has been read already this morning, or part of it anyway. So if you've got a Bible... Turn to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. One of the things you realise about this sort of time in life is that for most people outside of here, most people know nothing of faith. They know nothing of Jesus. They don't have a Lord. And we can sit here this morning actually and we can know that we have a Lord. We have the Lord. There is no one to compare with him. Whatever life throws up for us, there is nothing to compare with the fact that we know the Lord. And the Lord is our shepherd. When we think of shepherds in this country, we tend to think of people in flat caps who, who walk behind several dogs that run around herding the sheep. That's our view of a shepherd, but in the time of Jesus and probably still in the Middle East now, that is not what shepherding looked like. So the shepherd was someone who walked in front of the sheep. And the sheep followed the shepherd. Wherever the shepherd went, the sheep followed You know, and Jesus talked about being the shepherd, didn't he? And he talked about the sheep knowing his voice. And that was the understanding the people had of a shepherd. The shepherd was someone who knew where to go. The shepherd would go to where the grass was the greenest. The shepherd would go to where the safe place was and the sheep would follow. The sheep wouldn't think about where they were going. They wouldn't have to decide what to do about where they were going. They followed the shepherd. And Actually, what God is saying to us is that He is our shepherd. God is our shepherd. We don't have to. We may have lots of questions about life. There are always going to be many things in, in our lives that, we answer, and you will all have your own stories of those. But actually, what we do have is the shepherd. We have the one that we follow. We have the one that we can trust 100% absolutely that where he goes, we will follow and it will be the right place for us. You know, Jesus said, didn't he, the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And Jesus has already done that for us. As we sit here this morning and contemplate the events of the lost weeks or months for you guys. Actually we know that the shepherd has laid down his life already for us and for Ben and Emma and the family and actually we are following him. We're following him. He is the Lord. He is our shepherd. There is nothing else and no one else for us to follow in life. There is no one else for us to go to You can read as many self-help books as you like in the local bookshop, and there's racks of them. But actually, there is one place for us to go. There is one place, and that is the shepherd. And David says here, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Actually, that's a difficult concept for us in this society, because the truth is, we're always wanting things because we're surrounded by by people wanting. But David said, I shall not want. There is nothing I truly need that I cannot find in my shepherd. There is nothing that we truly need that we cannot find in our shepherd. And that is as true today for you as it was 12 months ago. There is nothing that you truly need as a community, there is nothing that Emma and the children truly need that the shepherd doesn't provide. See, the Bible says that Jesus, the promises of God are yes in Jesus, doesn't it? The promises of God are yes in Jesus. And we could, we could sit here for the rest of the morning and quote the promises of the Bible to us. And they're all yes in our shepherd. He says he makes me lie down in green pastures God wants to come and speak into your hearts today and so I want you to lie down with me I want to give you some rest in your soul, in your spirit and I want you to lie down with me I want to lead you beside quiet waters I think for some of us we need to hear that actually in awe in our grief that we bring before God and that's that's right and natural God has designed grief for us and it's right that we do that and in that he wants to come to us and help us to lie down and to know his peace and to know his arm around us it is great that we can put our arms around each other but God wants to come on you as a community and put his arm around you. Put his arms around you. He wants to lead you beside quiet waters. God wants to come and he wants to break in on you as a community, as friends together and lead you beside quiet waters so that you understand and experience afresh his grace and his love and his compassion. You will understand how we feel how you feel so much more than we already do. And he wants to come and he wants to put his arms around you. He restores our soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. You know, Jesus said, didn't he, I am the way, the truth and the life. And sometimes we think about that verse we think, well, that, that just talks about when we come to Christ. I am the way. Jesus is the way to God. So we come to God through Christ. I believe Jesus, Jesus would say that over us today. He's still the way. He's still the truth. He's still the life. Those things don't change. They are as true for you in your experience now as they were the day you came to Christ. He is the way. He is our guide. We are We're still following the shepherd. And as you go through this process of grieving together as a church and getting around Emma and the kids as a church, you're still being guided. Jesus is still leading you. He's still leading you. He is still the way. He is still the truth and he's still the life. He will still guide you in ways of righteousness. And it's just amazing just to hear you guys pray and think through Ben and his life and all the things that God has done in him as a person, all the things that God has done through him in this community. You know, God's done fantastic things through him. He was an amazing servant of God for everyone. I mean, that's what you pick up. You know, his family, his church family, his wider family, he was a man who was a servant of God's heart. And although he is not here, what he has been amongst you lives on, because there is fruit in what he's done in you. There is fruit. It lives. It lives. There is life. And Jesus leads us in paths of righteousness. God has things still in our path. We, none of us know what our path is. None of us know how many days... We have. We will never know. What we do know is that we trust God. What we do know is that while I'm following Jesus, I'm on the right path. That path may end at a point I hadn't understood or predicted. But it's Jesus' path. It's Jesus' path. And our acknowledgement of Ben's life is he has run the race that God set before him. He has run the race. He has won the prize that God prepared for him. And we are still running. And you as a church are still running. And part of his legacy will be, you are still running. You are still changing the world around you. And he has been a part of that for you. And he will remain a part of that for you. And Emma and the children remain a part of that for you. You are still running the race. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So actually we don't know what our path is going to be. Sometimes our path will be green pastures and quiet waters. And we think this is great. Christian life's lovely, isn't it? It's amazing. But sometimes, sometimes it will be through the darkest of valleys. Sometimes there will, and for all of us, there will be death. But what we understand is that God knows these are our paths. God knows our paths before we do. And he's wise enough not to let us know what our paths are, because God is wiser than us. What God asks of us is to follow him, is to keep our eyes on him, because there will be valleys that we walk through. There will be in our lives. But when we walk through those valleys, we will know that we are walking hand in hand and arm in arm with Jesus. Because that's what he's promised. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That is a promise. Never leave you or forsake you. I will fear no evil, the psalmist says. I will fear no evil. See, the world around us lives in fear. It lives in fear of the future. It lives in fear of poverty. It lives in fear of death, of sickness. The world around us lives in fear but through Jesus we do not live in fear. See, what did John say? Perfect love casts out fear. And this morning if you know Christ you have been the recipient of perfect love. And perfect love casts out fear for us. And So we do not sit here as the vast majority of our nation would in fear fear of what has happened fear of where Ben is fear of what will happen to us we, we do not sit here in fear why? because we know what God has called us to as we heard just now we know God has called us to a place with him we know God has called us to a place where he is. See, we don't have this life, and eternal life. When you become a Christian, you have eternal life. You're already in eternal life. We, it's very easy for us to get so caught up in the world in which we live. Very easy for us, because we have so much. We have so much, we are overly rich, by and large. And it's easy for us to get caught up But the reality, of course, for us is that actually our lives can be represented by a little dot and you can draw it here. That's our life, a little dot. But eternity runs from that dot and it runs and it runs over there and it runs through the wall and it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going and we are very hung up on the little dot. But God, God's view is this one. This is the view of God. God thinks in eternity. And God would encourage you and come to you and say, I am an eternal God. I will encourage you to think in eternity. Ben is still in the race. Not the race he was here on earth. But he is eternal. And we are eternal beings. And that is how God has created us. And that is the, running, the race we are on. And so some, when you, <coughs> in the midst of our questions and our grief, let's lift our eyes to Jesus and say, God, help me not just to focus on the little dot that's in front of me. You know, what did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things, the things the disciples were moaning about, where's my next meal coming from? Where am I getting my clothes from? All these sort of things. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and I'll give you these things. Because Jesus' view was very different to ours. His view was not about the little dot. It was about the line that disappears into eternity. And so God will come to us and say, I want to lift your eyes. I want to speak to you about eternity afresh. That you understand what you are called to. You are not to be people who are fearful, but people who are set free from fear because of the love of Jesus. For you are with me, David says. And that's God's promise to us, isn't it? I will never leave you or forsake you. What does Paul write in Romans? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for me, who can be against me? It doesn't matter what my circumstances in life are. It doesn't matter how many days he has planned for me. If God is for me, nothing, nothing can be against me because it's all about him. Actually, our lives are about him. It's easy for us to live, to be the hero of our own life, but actually we're all heroes in God's plan. We're all about God's purposes for us. David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And that that word comfort is about sustaining. It's about the blessing of God. It's about running and keeping running. It's about resilience in God. That's what he's talking about. For you are with me, and so I will run. Because I'm running under your power, and I'm running for you. And God comes, and God comforts. God understands comfort much more than I ever will. And God knows when to throw arms around us and when to get us by the arm and pull us along. Because God understands us and it will be different for all of you because you're all different. But God knows you. God, And that's the wonderful thing about God, isn't it? We can be a community together in a body, but the truth is God knows all about me and he knows all about you as individuals. He knows we're all different. He knows we all react differently and yet he knows us. He knows us and he loves us. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, they prepared a table for the victor. The one who had won the battle gets the table prepared for them in the presence of their conquered enemies who usually are kneeling or prone on the floor. And God's we don't have to do anything, do we? Because everything has been done for us. We are, we are children of God. We are sons of God. We actually have the divine nature, the Bible says. Because we're children. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But we are it. We're children of God. And there is a table prepared for us in the presence of our enemy because we are victorious through Christ. Because death has no sting, as we've already sung this morning. Death has no sting, because Jesus has conquered death. He has conquered death for us. And so there is no sting, and so there is a table prepared for us. Because we have won already. Even though there are still battles that we walk through in life. God has won the victory. And so there is no sting for us and he's prepared a table for us and he he anoints our head with oil. You know, that's what they did for kings when they were appointed, when they were crowned, they anointed their head with oil. And God wants just to remind us, I believe this morning, that he anoints each one of us with oil on our head because we're sons. It's a bit like the prodigal son story, isn't it? The son comes home And the father gets out the robe and the sandals and the ring and celebrates and says, it doesn't doesn't matter what you've done for the last however long it is, you are still my son. Here is my ring. Here is the seal of of your sonship. And God wants to remind us this morning that he he has sealed us as sons that inherit everything with him. He wants to remind us that he anoints our head with oil and our cup overflows and our cup doesn't overflow because our circumstances make it overflow. Our cup overflows because he makes it overflow. And in the midst of sadness, the spirit of God comes and it overflows. In the midst of your sadness as a church, God is going to come and overflow by his Holy Spirit in your hearts. When you're on your own, at home, and you cry out to him, when you're together here, and you cry out to him, God will come and overflow by his spirit. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. God is good. And sometimes we look at our circumstances and we say, well, God, where are you? Where's the goodness in my circumstance? And God comes to us and he says, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust my word? Purely goodness and love will follow me. And God wants to come afresh to you as a community and say, love follows you. God's love is here this morning. God's love is here. When you leave this place and you're back at work this week, God's love is there with you. When you walk into your place of work or study or local community, whatever you were doing this week, (coughs) actually the divine nature of God walks in because because you've walked in. That's what the Bible says. That's what we carry. And actually we are hope In the midst of our sorrow we are hope to the world. We're hope in our place of work. We're hope in our community. Because that's what we carry. We carry the hope of God with us. And goodness, God's goodness will follow us. And we need to lift our eyes and say, God, I want to see your goodness. Help me understand what your goodness is. Help me understand your love afresh. It says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever <coughs> we're going to be in the presence of God forever forever I And mean, that is just unbelievable isn't it it's just amazing how can that be but it's true we're going to be in the presence of God forever we are going to be in the presence of someone who loves us more than anyone else can ever do forever and in the midst of our sadness in the midst of your grief and as you move forward as a community, God is going to remind you that you dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That he loves you forever and that his goodness will still be poured out on you. Because that's his promise to you. That's his promise to us. And just to understand, let God speak to us afresh about what it is about being a shepherd for us. God is our shepherd. God is our shepherd this morning. God leads us. As we go through times that are hard and times we don't necessarily understand, God says, I lead you. I lead you. I'm still leading you. I will lead you tomorrow. I will lead you next week. I will lead you next month. Just focus your eyes on me. And I'm going to lead you. And I'm going to love you with an un- unfathomable love. A love that we'll never understand or reciprocate but God is going to pour it out on you afresh. because he understands your heart. He understands, he understands where we're at in our lives and he comes alongside us and he loves. So the Lord is our shepherd and God just wants to remind us of that, this morning, he has laid down his life for us as a shepherd, and we get to live in the benefit of that. Ben has lived in the benefit of that and served God. And encouragement, his encouragement to you, I know, would be run, run the race, and the race that I've run, run every day. Let's pray, Let's God, to Remind us afresh. Father, let's all stand. Let's stand together. Lord, we stand before you in your presence, in your love. Lord, and I pray for this community that they would experience an outpouring of your love afresh as they get together and even when they're on their own in their workplace I pray for an outpouring of your love on them in this time Lord when it's right to be sad understand grief Lord we pray for your love afresh come Holy Spirit we pray and pour out the love of Jesus afresh Let the love of Jesus pour out from these people. Let it touch the lives of those whose lives they come across in their daily life. Give me a reason for the hope you have. And Lord, they can answer. I have a hope. Because I am loved. I have a hope because I have a shepherd who leads me. And I will trust in him. And this is what he's done in my life. And so Lord, we we ask you, come Holy Spirit and just minister to us. Minister your love and your affection. Lord, put your arms around us as we put them around each other.